and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flower Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world with the good news. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a replay from our Palm Sunday message in our Easter series, The Trial, The Death, The Day. Let's take a listen. So I want you to read with me Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 11, and we're going to read all the way through verse 26. So here we go. Verse 11. Now Jesus stood before the governor and the governor questioned him, saying, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, it is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priest and the elders, he did not answer. And then Pilate said to him, do you now hear how many things they testify against you? And he did not answer him with regard to even a single charge. So the governor was quite amazed. Verse 15. Now at the feast of the governor was, was accustomed to release for the people any one prisoner whom they wanted. And at that time, they were holding a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. And so when the people gathered together, Pilate said to them, who do you want me to release for you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that because of envy, they had handed him over. And while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message saying, have nothing to do with this righteous man. For last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. But the chief priest and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. Verse 21, the governor said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. And then Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, crucify him. And he said, why, what evil has he done? But they kept shouting all the more saying, crucify him. When Pilate saw that what was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water He washed his hands in front of the crowd saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it that yourselves. And all of the people said, his blood shall be on us and on our children. And then he released Barabbas for them. But after having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. God, I pray that today, God, that you would meet us right where we're at. God, I pray that you would bring your word to life in all of our hearts today. And God, I pray right now that even in the beginning of today that you would start drawing people to yourself. God, there's people in this room that have played church their entire life. But God, I pray that today would be the end of that. And I pray that they would surrender to you today. And God, we ask you to move. And when you move, God, I pray that we would respond to that movement and God will give you the praise for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, there's three things that Jesus is being convicted of that he's on trial for. You can read these in in Luke chapter two. We won't go there this morning just for the sake of time. But the first thing that he was being accused of was misleading a nation. You see, the problem was, is Jesus was calling out their religiosity. 
Jesus was telling them that they were guilty of just being religious people. And so the, the nation began to get furious with him for that. They also accused him of forbidding to pay taxes. And so we all know that that was a lie because we remember that Jesus said, give Caesar what is Caesar's. And then the last thing that Jesus was being accused of was the fact that he claimed to be the Messiah. And so while there is truth to him claiming to be the Messiah, he was claiming to be the eternal Messiah. They were taking and interpreting it. He was claiming to be the Messiah of Rome, of, of, the, of, the, of the government. And so what we see is this is what he's being accused of. But the Jewish leaders, they had no authority that when they would accuse someone of something, they had no authority to bring death to that individual. And so that is the very reason that they bring Jesus to Pilate because they knew Pilate had the power. They knew that Pilate could do what they wanted him to do. But when we look at a trial, we've all watched trials on TV. We've all watched Judge Judy, right? We've all watched Judge Joe Brown. We've all, and look, I understand it. You can say, I don't watch that. Yes, you do. And once you start, you can't stop. You gotta see how it turns out. But in every one of these trials, in any trial for that matter, we know that there's a lot of questions that go in. There's a lot of questions that are asked. And the way that those questions are answered is usually what determines the outcome of the case or the trial. The way the questions are answered either determines the person to be innocent or it determines the person to be guilty. And so we can read all through the gospels. There's a lot of questions that were asked at this trial. You just heard some of the questions that were asked in the passage that we just read. But today we're gonna look at, at one verse in particular, at one question that was asked. And the thing that I love about how this passage kind of got flipped upside down is we all see that Jesus was supposedly the one on trial. And the way that this text is going to end up is, is it wasn't really Jesus who was on trial, but it was everybody who was in the audience who was on trial. Because the question that Pilate turns and he asks all of the Jewish people, the ones that he asked all of the people, is he asked them what we read in verse 22. He said, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? So he asked that question to all of the people, what shall I do with Jesus? But ultimately what I want us to look at this morning is I wanna ask us all of that question. What shall we do with Jesus? What have we done with Jesus? And so that's the question that we're really gonna focus on today is what shall I do with Jesus? You know that we can answer that question audibly we can verbally say what we in our minds think we have done with Jesus. However, you know that there's oftentimes that we answer questions without saying a word. We answer the questions by the way we live our life. We answer the question, what have we done with Jesus by the fruit that we either produce or the fruit that we don't produce? And so if we ask the question this morning, what have you done with Jesus? What have I done with Jesus? We can look at the fruits of our life. We can look at our lifestyle. And there's many times that we can answer that question without having to say a single word. And that's exactly what these Jewish leaders have done. They answered the question without having to say a word. 
Verse 18. He writes here, for he knew, talking about Pilate, Pilate knew that because of envy, they had handed him over. You see, their lifestyle, the fact that they handed Jesus over due to envy tells us what they've done with Jesus or what they want to do with Jesus. You see, the problem is that the reason that they turned him over because of envy or the reason that they turned him over because of their self-interest is because Jesus's popularity, Jesus's influence, Jesus's glory is beginning to spread all throughout the nation. Now you gotta understand a, a religious leader, they lived their life in such a way that they wanted the praise of the people. They wanted people to put them up on a pedestal. They wanted people to look at them and think, man, that guy's got it all together. That girl has it all together. And so when Jesus came in, Jesus was robbing them of the attention that they thought they deserved. So they were jealous of this. They didn't like the fact that Jesus was taking from them what they thought they were deserving of. And so we see that they turned him over to Pilate because of envy, because they were jealous. You know, I read something this week, um, J.D. Greer. He was talking about one, something that one of his Sunday school teachers used to say as a child that, that he remembers. And the thing that the Sunday school teacher used to tell their Sunday school class was that in every man and in every woman's heart, there's a throne and a cross. If you as an individual occupy the throne of your heart, then it puts Jesus on the cross. But if you as an individual allow Jesus to occupy the throne of your heart, then that places you on the cross, meaning that you have died to yourself, meaning that you are trusting in Jesus Christ as your savior and Lord, and meaning that all of the glory that is given, all of the glory that is received, you want nothing of it because you want it to all be his. So we could all stop right here this morning and ask the question, who is sitting on the throne of your heart? Is it you or is it Jesus? If it's Jesus, if Jesus is sitting on the throne of your heart, I would venture to say that your lifestyle will live that out. But I would also venture to say the flip side of that if you were on the throne of your heart, meaning that you're your authority, that you're the one that you're living for, that you're the one that you're seeking to please, then your lifestyle also proves that as well. So who occupies the throne of your heart? Is it you or is it him? Because here's what I know about God that I've learned in my life is that we serve a jealous God, meaning that he is not going to share the throne of your heart with anyone. There's not room for the throne of your heart to be occupied by him and you. It's one or the other. It's a very black and white situation. Either Jesus is the authority of your life or you are the authority of your life. And so we're gonna talk about that in just a moment. Who are we allowing to occupy the throne of our heart? But the bottom line is, is these Jewish leaders, they weren't willing to give it up. They loved life being all about them. They loved life being all about their glory, their prestige, and their victories. That's what they were concerned about. And so here you have Pilate asking that question, what have you done with Jesus? 
Their actions showed what they've done with Jesus. They wanted what was his. So then we go on to look at Pilate. You know, Pilate, for obvious reason, kind of he, he gets the bad rap in all of this, which rightfully so. He gets the bad rap in all of this because ultimately he had to say. He could have released Jesus, but we all know that he chose to turn Jesus over for Jesus to be crucified. And, you know, I've always just read that and thought, man, what a jerk. He hit me and he had it all in his hands. He could have done this. He could have done that differently. But what I've realized in studying this and everything that Pilate is having to wrestle with is the majority of us in this room have a lot in common with Pilate. We can all relate to Pilate, probably even more so than we can even imagine. You see, Pilate was the governor. He was the governor of this Roman province, Judea. He wanted to be a successful leader. He wanted to be a successful governor, but what declared him as a successful governor, what they gauged his success off of was the peace that was across the nation, that was across that area. So if there was peace, he was successful. If there wasn't, he, wasn't a, he was a failure. And so we all know that there's a lot of things that Pilate is having to keep in mind. And, but right now, to be a successful governor, to be a successful political leader, he knew that his job was to keep everybody happy. I've just got to keep everybody happy. And one of the people that he had to keep happy would be his boss, the emperor, Caesar. This was the man that was at the top of the food chain. This was the man that either gave him his job or let him go from his job. So Pilate was very concerned to make his boss happy. Pilate was very concerned as to what his boss thought about him. And so here's Pilate, he's in a tough spot right now. We just read it. He's contemplating a big decision. Do I let Jesus go or do I let Barabbas go? But you see, what we find out is that in verse 24, what was happening as he contemplated this? The people began to get very angry. The people that wanted Jesus dead, the people that wanted to see Jesus crucified, we read in verse 24, it said, when Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather a riot was starting. Look, we've all got to watch riots over the past year in 2020. Riots are very far from being peaceful. Riots caused chaos. People lost their lives in riots. People lost property in riots. But you see, that's exactly what's on Pilate's hands right now. If I don't submit to what all of these people want, there's gonna be a riot. There's gonna be an uproar. So here he is weighing that out. He says, look, I know I need to do this. I know that if I release Jesus, this is probably what I need to do. But if I do that, nobody else is gonna like that and a riot is going to occur. And so all the people are gonna be angry with me. And if all the people are gonna be angry with me, if our city turns into mass chaos, then who else is not gonna be happy with me? Boss man, Caesar. He's gonna be upset because now he is no longer a successful governor. John chapter 19, we read that the people, the angry mob began to threaten 
Pilate with that. They told him that you will no longer be Caesar's friend. And what that means is, Pilate, you're fired, is ultimately what that means. And so we see the weight of this decision. Do I do what's right? Or do I follow what the crowd wants? Do I follow what my boss wants? And so as if that is not heavy enough, what we find out is that Pilate knew Jesus was innocent. Pilate already knew that Jesus was not guilty. So Pilate knew the truth. So decision time is, do I stand on the truth or do I stand for what's popular? Do I stand on the truth of who I know Jesus is or do I stand on what's popular? You see, church, we can all relate to Pilate. We have a decision to make Every single day of our life, every day you walk into your office, every single day you walk into your school, every, day, every single day you walk into your home, are you gonna stand on the truth of God's word or are you gonna stand on what's popular? What are we listening to? What are we applying in our life? We know the truth. We know the convictions so many times we give in to what's easy. So many times we choose the easy way out because we don't want to make anybody mad. We want to go for what's popular rather than what's truthful. Because, you know, as we talked last week, to stand with Jesus, to follow Jesus, to choose Jesus, it is anything but easy. It is anything but easy because it's not popular. To stand with Jesus, and I'm just gonna tell you, we talked about it last week, to stand with Jesus will cost you. To follow Christ will cost you. You see, Jesus teaches in a parable in Luke chapter 14. He's talking about a builder getting ready to build something. And he says, what builder is gonna build anything without counting the cost first? Without knowing what it's gonna cost. But see, the reality is, is when we follow Christ, we have to understand that it does come with a cost. Yes, it is the free gift of salvation, but it costs us in that we have to die to our flesh because we are no longer ruled by our flesh, but we're ruled by the Holy Spirit that now lives in us, that saves us. And so when we go against our flesh, it costs us. It's not a lot of fun at times. But when we begin to count all of these costs, we're having to do exactly what Pilate did. So remember, he's in decision time. Do I release Jesus or do I release Barabbas? 
And so somewhere in there, you have to imagine in his mind, he was having these private conversations with Jesus. We read in the gospel of John, he was pulling Jesus in. He was better understanding who Jesus was. So the truth was being revealed to him even more so than ever. So he knew the truth, but he knew that if he chose the truth, it was gonna cost him his job. It was gonna cost him his popularity and it was gonna cost him his prestige in the community. It was gonna cost him. But what we find out is when he counted the costs, when he began to weigh out all of his options, do you realize what happened? He became a puppet to society. He became a puppet to the culture. He became a puppet to what was on the news. He became a puppet to what was popular. How many of us in this room right now our society and our culture is our puppeteer. It's instructing everything that we do. It's influencing every area of our life. We're letting the news media drive every decision that we make. We're letting our culture define every decision that we make. Church, what we've got to get back to is this is the only news feed that we need to be listening to. And if it doesn't line up with the truth of God's word, then we don't stand with it. We've got to quit compromising and we've got to quit letting whatever it is that you watch direct every decision that you make. Because what we're gonna find out is if we let the world choose for us, the world is gonna choose evil every single time. It's that simple. The world will choose evil every single time. We see this going on in our nation every single day. We as followers of Christ, we know the truth. But we as followers of Christ, we count the cost and sometimes we would rather use the comfort. We would rather choose the comforts of life than being obedient to what we know God's word tells us to do. And church, that's a scary place for the church to be. And on a side note, why in the world do we wanna expose ourselves to the lies? You do realize that the majority of everything you see on TV is a lie. You realize the majority of everything you're watching on the news is a lie. You want to see your stress level and your blood pressure go down? Turn the TV off. Turn the TV off and focus on God's word, which is a lie. You focus on life that we find in it. Don't buy into the lies of what we see and what we hear. We've got to stand on the truth of God's word because the world will choose evil every time. But you see, you've been put in spots just like Pilate. You've been put in spots at your workplace. You've been put in spots in relationships that you knew what you were supposed to do according to the word of God, according to being a follower of Christ. But you knew 
If I don't submit, it may cost me my job. It may cost me my popularity. It may cost me my comfortable living. And there's so many times that when the rubber meets the road, we don't want to take up the cross because we want it to be easy while we're here. It ain't easy. It's not easy. So Pilate had a decision to make. For lack of better words, he became a puppet to the crowd. He let society choose for him. We read that in verses 15 through 17. It says, now that the feast of the governor was accustomed to release for the people any one prisoner whom they wanted. And at the time they were holding a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. And so when the people gathered together, Pilate said to them, who do you want me to release for you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ. You see, he knew the truth. Why was he not man enough to make his own decision? Because he knew that Jesus was innocent. But he allowed the world to dictate his thoughts. He allowed the world to dictate his decisions. And just as we said a moment ago, we read in the Gospel of John that Satan is the ruler of the world. So if the world's choosing, you're going to choose evil every time. But you see, the influence of the world, the influence of evil, it blinds us from the truth. It blinds us from the truth. And it blinds us from the fact that we are guilty of our own sin. That we are guilty, and that is the very reason that we're getting ready to walk into this week of Easter is because what we can't do is we can't rid ourselves of guilt. We can't rid ourselves of this condemnation in our own power, which is the very reason that Jesus came to earth, wrapped himself in human flesh, died on a cross, and then on the third day, he overcame death, hell, and the grave. Because that is the only way that we are ridded of our guilt. That is the only way that we are wiped clean. But you see, Pilate, you see what he tried to do? He knew that Jesus was innocent. He knew the path that he should take. But what did it say he did in verse 24? When Pilate saw that it was accomplishing nothing, but rather a riot was starting, he took water, he washed his hands in front of the crowd, and he said, I am innocent of this man's blood. You see, Pilate knew the truth. But what Pilate did was he tried to do something and he tried to say something that would rid him of his guilt. What I know about this room, what I know about the room at nine o'clock There was a lot of people that were exactly where Pilate is and was. We know the truth. We know that Jesus Christ died for us, but we have exhausted ourselves our entire life by trying to do all the right things as if washing our hands. Because what he's talking about there is in Deuteronomy, when they would slay an animal for sacrifice, it said that they would wash their hands so that they would not be guilty of the shedding of the blood of that animal. 
And so this was an act that they were all accustomed to. This was something that they would do in order to make themselves not feel guilty for the death. So that's exactly what Pilate is doing is he's trying to wash his hands so that he's not held guilty of the sin that is his. How many people in this room, we have exhausted ourselves our entire life trying to do, 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 do so that we hope that we have it in us to not be found guilty when judgment day comes. Because right now I'm telling you, there's something, I've had a lunch with a pastor this week that the pastor's river bend on the other side of town and God is moving in that church and we celebrate that. But you see, just about three weeks ago, through a men's Bible study, there was a man in his mid-50s who was a Sunday school teacher who realized he's been trying to do his whole life, but he's never trusted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. You see, he's got caught up of trying to wash his hands. And then because of his obedience, two more older men moved that were ordained deacons in the church. They said, I've been trying to serve my way to heaven, but I've never trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. You see, Pilate tried to do all of the right things. Pilate even said, I'm doing this so I won't be guilty, so I'll be innocent of the blood of this man. You see, church, there's a lot of you in this room. You've tried to do the right things for years and you've tried to say the right things for years. But can I tell you what you do and what you say has no authority to cleanse you of the guilt-ridden shame that you have because of your own sin. You can't do it. The only way that you are cleansed is when you fall under the precious shed blood of Jesus and allow that to cleanse you. And trust in that sacrifice. Trust in the shedding of that blood. But church, I know without a doubt, there's men and women in this room. You're here every week. Some of you men, you may have been at the men's lunch thing yesterday. Some of you may have been serving in kids for years. Some of you may have been serving in VBS for years. Some of you, I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've tried to do, but can I tell you, there's many of you that have done, 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 but you've never trusted Jesus as your savior. And can I tell you that when your life here is over, you will be forever separated from the one you thought you were serving because you've never trusted him. We had a young man stand up right there this morning with tears rolling down his face. Guess what? He led a small group three weeks ago at United Weekend. You see, he's exhausted himself trying to do but the Holy Spirit of God got him this morning. And he trusted Jesus this morning because he quit doing he quit saying, and he trusted Jesus for who he is. If I went around this room and I were to ask the question, why should you spend eternity in heaven with the Father? 
We're going to get answers all over the place. Brian, I'm here every week. Brad, I, I read my Bible. I know I don't read it like I should, but, you know, I read it once or twice a week. Or, Brian, I've tried to pray more. Brian, I only listen to worship music on the radio now. Y'all all know I'm guilty of that because my wife posts pictures of me singing country music on the flipping Instagram. So I'm not there yet. But what I will say is you can do all the right things. You can say all the right things. But if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, you are not saved by the shedding of that blood. It's that simple. What have you done with Jesus? What have you done with this man named Jesus? Because you see, I read this passage and I've never really looked at it this way, but what you see is it's decision time. Basically, the decision is on Pilate, but he's, we understand that he's a puppet to the crowd, so he's letting the crowd make the decision for him. And I know there's a lot of times, which is accurate, we really put ourselves in, in Barabbas's place because we knew that Barabbas could have taken death. He's the one that deserved death. He was a murderer. He was a thief. So he should have been the one that was killed. And so we all look at that, which is, again, it's right. Barabbas was released, which represents us being set free because Jesus was taking our place. But to step back and take it even a step further what if we're the crowd? What if we're the Sanhedrin that he's asking, what are you doing with Jesus? Are you gonna choose him or are you not gonna choose him? But you see, if we choose Jesus, we're choosing life. We're choosing eternal. We're choosing an eternal victory with our Lord and Savior. But if we choose Barabbas, we're choosing the flesh. We're choosing what's popular. We're choosing, honestly, what's easier. In these circumstances. And this is the picture of salvation. This is symbolic to, to salvation. So when we ask this morning, what are you going to do with Jesus? What do you, have you done with Jesus? Are you going to choose life? Or are you going to choose your flesh? Because you're going to choose one or the other. You're either going to be on the throne of your heart or Jesus is gonna be on the throne of your heart. You're either gonna be on the cross of your heart or Jesus is gonna be on the cross of your heart. If you choose Jesus, if you choose life, if you surrender to that, you place your faith in him, then you are forever reconciled and sealed to the day of redemption in the Father's hand. But if you choose the flesh, if you choose what's easy, you choose hell. And I know that may be kind of offensive to some. 
But it's pretty simple. Either you choose him or you don't. If you choose him, life eternal. If you don't choose him, a life of damnation in hell. And I know that we could all talk about the things of why don't I want to go? Why would you not want to go to hell? Well, it's hot. It's dark. It's eternal torment. And yes, all those things are terrible. But do you know what makes hell hell? Your father's not there. Eternal peace, eternal security. The father who loved you enough that he would send his son to die for you is not there. And on the flip side of that, you know what makes heaven heaven? Because we can all say, why do you want to go to heaven? Uh, my dog will be there. Uh, uh. The golden streets. My mansion. I'll get to see my loved ones. Can I tell you? You're missing the point. The reason we should want to go to heaven is because we will hold his nail-scarred hands. And when you can hold the hand of your Savior, look, I miss my family members. I miss my daddy. But can I tell you, I can't wait to touch his hand. So what makes heaven heaven is he's there. And what makes hell hell is he's not there. But the question is, what have you done with Jesus? Are you trying to do all the right things? Are you trying to say all the right things? But can I gotta tell you, it's, that's an exhausting place to live. It's an exhausting place to live to try to earn the love of God. And many of you can probably relate to that because you have spent your life trying to earn the love of an earthly person. Whether it be a parent, whether it be a grandparent, you've exhausted your entire life trying to earn the love, trying to make somebody love you for how you perform. But can I tell you that salvation is he loves you enough so you didn't have to perform. The performance is the fruit of the salvation. It's not how you receive the salvation. And even in salvation, there's gonna be days you fall flat on your face. But guess what? We serve a God who loves you unconditionally. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. 
And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.